I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 11, beginning in verse 10 is where we will start this morning, and we're going to walk through verse 9 of chapter 12. We've been walking our way through the book of Genesis, and a series entitled Origins, looking at what happened at the very beginning, at God's creation and God's work, God's plan unfolding of redemption history. And as we've been doing that, we've begun to ask the question of ourselves, what does it look like for us to play a part in what God is doing? God is always the star of Scripture, and yet He uses ordinary people to accomplish His plan. And so my question for you this morning is, what kind of person will God use? What kind of person will God use? You know, I played college baseball, and the reality is I wasn't that good. Hence, here I am, right? You know, it's interesting in playing college ball, you realize that there's just a different level when you see someone who is about to get drafted to go play in the major leagues. And so I had the privilege of playing with one such guy and uh, he had a phenomenal career and just recently retired. And I'm thinking, man, what would it be like at 38 years old to retire, right? But Nick Marquegas is who I played with and uh, it was fascinating to watch him because it was just a whole different level. I would watch him swing the bat and I would think, I don't look like that. Thank you. That is incredible. It's something to watch that on display. And so when you look, you realize that for someone to make it to the major leagues, it just looks different than your regular average player, even a college athlete. You know, sometimes I think as we approach Scripture and we read the stories of people that God used throughout the pages of Scripture, we have that same mindset. We think that God must have picked the best and the brightest, the smartest, the most equipped people and said, I'm going to use them to accomplish my plan and purpose. And let me just break the news to you this morning. That's not how it worked at all. In fact, God used ordinary, everyday people to accomplish his plan and his purpose. And here's the good news for all of us gathered here this morning who are ordinary, everyday people. God desires to use us. He desires to use us to accomplish his plan and his purpose in this world that he's called us to live in. And so this morning, as we continue walking our way through the book of Genesis, I want you to Join me in Genesis chapter 11, beginning in verse 10, and we're going to be introduced for the very first time to a man named Abram, a person that God is going to use in an incredible way. But to get there, we're going to work through a genealogy. And some of you may think this morning, why is he reading that? Some of you may have kids in the near future, and you need some help naming them. No one has taken me up on my encouragement after we worked through, not very long after I got here, a series through the book of Ruth. I thought someone needs to name their son Boaz, and nobody would do it. I don't really understand, but here's a few more names that you can add to the list. Maybe these would be helpful for you, and then we're going to look at 
the introduction of Abram in just a bit. This is God's word, and this is what the book of Genesis records, beginning in verse 10 of chapter 11. These are the generations of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he fathered Arpachshad. Two years after the flood, and Shem lived after he fathered Arpachshad 500 years and had other sons and daughters. When Arpachshad had lived 35 years, he fathered Shelah. And Arpachshad lived after he fathered Shelah 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Shelah had lived 30 years, he fathered Eber. And Shelah lived after he fathered Eber 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When Eber had lived 34 years, he fathered Peleg. And Eber lived after he fathered Peleg 430 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Peleg had lived 30 years, he fathered Ru. And Peleg lived after he fathered Ru 209 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Ru had lived 32 years, he fathered Sarag. And Ru lived after he fathered Sarag 207 years and had other sons and daughters. When Sarag had lived 30 years, he fathered Nahor. And Sarag lived after he fathered Nahor 200 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Nahor had lived 29 years, he fathered Terah. And Nahor lived after he fathered Terah 119 years and had other sons and daughters. And when Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred and Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go in to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord told him. And Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west 
and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit this morning. We ask that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. As you're taking notes this morning, which I encourage you to do, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in the text as we look at Abram, as we look at God's redemption plan unfolding in Abram's life in this moment. It's this truth. Every single follower of Jesus has a vital role to play in God's unfolding plan of redemption. Every single follower of Jesus, which means if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, God has a vital role that he desires for you to play in his unfolding plan of redemption. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus this morning, I can think of no better time than for you to take that step than today. As we talk about what it means for us to follow Jesus with our lives, as we look at what it means for us to find our part in his story of redemption that is unfolding, we're going to see it take place in Abram's life in these verses this morning. And so hopefully as we work through verses 10 through 26, you got some ideas if you're planning on having sons. I mean, our park shod, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? But I want you to notice this morning that the whole point of this genealogy is to lay the groundwork for what God is going to do in and through Abram. In fact, it's going to be Abram that God is going to bring his salvation plan to fruition in the world in which we live. In fact, we are sitting here today because of Abraham's faithfulness to follow in obedience what God had called him to do. If you remember back in Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered the world, God made a promise at that moment that he would ultimately send a savior to this world to break the curse of sin, to make it possible for our sins to be forgiven, for us to be brought into a relationship with our creator. And he is orchestrating all of this, working through this man named Abram. So as we look this morning, what I want you to take notice of is really two separate things. One, I want you to take notice as we walk through the text this morning of what God promises he will do. I want you to take notice of God's faithfulness, of God saying, as I call you to step out and to walk in obedience and to be a part of what I'm doing in this world, here is what you can depend that I will accomplish in and through you. And then I want us to take notice as we look at Abram's response, how do we respond to God's call in our lives to walk in obedience as he unfolds his plan before us. Church, too many times, I think we have so lowered the bar in our lives that we lose sight of what God desires to do in and through us for his glory. You're not here by accident this morning. 
You don't have the job that you have by accident. You don't live in the neighborhood and have the neighbors that you have by accident. God hasn't entrusted children to you by accident. God desires to work in and through you for his glory. That is the call of God on your life. That you would be a part of his plan of redemption continuing to unfold in this world in which we live. I want you to notice that there's some interesting things described of Abram beginning in verse 27. It says, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram and Nahor and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. And as we begin to walk our way through the rest of Genesis that we're going to cover, what we're going to see is Abram is going to be a key character, but Lot is also going to be a key character that we'll encounter in the weeks ahead as we continue to walk through the text. But it says in verse 28 that Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred and Ur of the Chaldeans. In verse 29, Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah, verse 30. I want you to take notice because this is going to come in to play prominently in the Lord's promise that he makes to Abram later on in the text this morning. Notice verse 30, now Sarai, that's Abram's wife, was barren. She had no child. You say, okay, that's not that big of a deal. Well, it's becoming a big deal in just a little bit. Because what we've seen is that the Lord has made a lot of promises to Abraham later on in these verses. The Lord has said to Abram, here's what I'm going to do in and through you. I'm going to make you a great nation. And yet, Abram's wife is barren. They have no children. How is a great nation going to come from a couple who has no children? What we're going to see is that when God is at work, all things are possible. When God is on the move, we can trust that what he promises, he will accomplish And so what we begin to see beginning in verse 1 of chapter 12, and this is where I want us to spend the majority of our time together this morning, I want you to notice what takes place as the Lord calls Abram and says to Abram, here's what I'm going to do in and through you, and here's what that's going to mean for the world around you. And then we're going to see Abram's response. And as we begin to work through it this morning, I want you to notice first and foremost that when God calls When God calls you, when God calls me, as God called Abram in the text this morning, he provides everything we need to pursue his plan. Now we know the problems that Abram is experiencing in this moment. His wife is barren. She cannot have children. Notice what the Lord in verse 1 of chapter 12 says. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Abram, it's time for a journey. 
You're going to leave everything that you've known. You're going to leave your father's house. You're going to leave your kindred. You're going to leave the place that you've always called home. And you're going to make a journey. And I could see Abram going, okay, Lord, where are we going? And he says, I'll tell you when you get there. I don't know about you, but I'm not the best with directions. This would not be encouraging to me at all. But for Abram in this moment, the Lord says, I'll let you know when you get there. And then I want you to notice that in verse 2, he says, listen to this, I will make of you a great nation. Now you got to be in Abram's shoes in this moment. Abram is where he's supposed to be, close to his family, close to the land that he's always known, in his father's house, and the Lord says to Abram, I need you to leave. I mean, think about that if you've ever left home for any season of time to leave your family and your friends to walk away. I joke when we came to North River Church, we left the great state of Georgia where the Georgia Bulldogs play, amen? There's three of you out there. I know you are there. One on the second row here. There we go. To come down among the heathen Gator fans, right? I kid, church, I kid. But the Lord called Abram to leave, to leave everything that he had known, but the promise that he made to him is here. Go from your country, your kindred, and I will make of you a great nation. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you sense that the Lord was calling you to do something and you decided it was time to bargain with the Lord. I could imagine Abram, and we're going to see at various points that he's going to ask the Lord those questions. Like, God, you, you do realize we don't have any kids. I want you to notice this morning that God provides exactly what we need to accomplish the plan that he's placed in our lives for his glory. When I was a teenager, our student pastor decided that he wanted to encourage us to get deeper in God's word. And so he set up on Saturday mornings a discipleship time where he invited a group of the students to come. And he said, listen, if you will stick with me for 12 weeks, I promise on the other end of this, it's going to be worth it. And so we spent 12 weeks together with our student pastor studying scripture. And I just want to encourage you, church family, that Pastor Aaron is doing that right now with a number of our students. A number of the leaders are involved in that right now with students who recently have trusted Jesus as their Savior, investing in them, pouring into them. So praise God for that. I had that in my life as a teenager. And so at the end of that 12 weeks, the student pastor said to us, hey, I want you to know that we are going to celebrate you completing this by going on a trip. We're like, perfect. What are we going to do? We're going to hike 20 miles of the Appalachian Trail. Never done that before. So he gave us a packing list. These are the things that you need to bring with you. And so I began to pull all those things together, put it in a bag, and get ready to leave. We journey up. We get ready to, to go out on the Appalachian Trail. And he had hired a guide for us that was going to lead us on the journey. 
And so the guide comes out and he says, here's what I need you to do. I need you to take everything out of your bag and I need you to lay it out on this tarp that's here. So we start pulling everything out, laying it out on the tarp. And he starts laughing. And he looks and he says, hey, you don't need that. It's not going to help you any at all. And by the time that it was all said and done, about half of everything that we brought, we ended up putting back in the van. And then he opened up a trunk and began to lay out for us the things that we actually needed to accomplish the mission that was set before us. I want you to notice this morning that the Lord does that exact same thing with Abram gives him exactly what he needs. We're going to see this unfold as we continue working our way through the text this morning, exactly what Abram needs to accomplish the mission that God has given him to accomplish. Church, God has given you exactly what you need to accomplish the mission that he's called you to fulfill in this world. God has given you the relationships that you need. You say, Pastor, I don't know what to say. It's interesting as you walk throughout the pages of Scripture, that is oftentimes what people say in response to God's call in their life, and yet God comes through every single time. What has God called you to do? Who has God called you in your life to share the gospel with? What has God called you to do in your kids' lives to raise them up and train them to walk with Jesus? What has God called you to do in your work life to bring glory to his name? You say, I don't know that I have what I need. I promise you this. If God has called you to do it, God has provided and will provide you every single thing that you need to accomplish his plan and his purpose. We see that first in Abram's life here. I want you to notice, secondly, when God calls, he equips us to be who we need to be to pursue his plan. He equips us to be who we need to be. I love reading through scripture and seeing God call people like Moses and say to Moses, Moses, here's what I want you to do. And Moses says, I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy that can speak in front of people. And the Lord says, I'll give you the words that you need to speak. You look in the New Testament with Timothy and his relationship with the Apostle Paul, and Timothy is concerned about his youth and his inexperience. And the Apostle Paul says, the Lord is going to do exactly what he needs to do through you. He will equip you to be exactly who he needs you to be. Maybe sitting here this morning as a follower of Jesus and you sense the Lord has called you to take a step of obedience towards him in an area of your life and you wonder, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm not the person who talks to other people about Jesus. It gets awkward. I'm not the person who goes out of my way to impact someone else's life and yet the Lord's promise is that he equips us to be exactly who we need to be to accomplish his plan in this world. I remember my dad when I was a teenager and would head out, my dad would always make this comment to me. 
Anytime I left the house, he'd say, son, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Now, what I knew my dad meant by that is, don't be an idiot. As you walk out in this world in which you live, he's saying, son, remember who you are and walk in that. And for us as followers of Jesus, we must remember who we are. Remember what Jesus Christ has done in our lives to transform us and to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. You have every single thing that you need to do what God has called you to do. You are the person that God desires to use to accomplish His plan and His purpose. I want you to notice that as we see the text this morning, it continues in verse 2. Notice what the Lord says, after I will make you a great nation, listen to this, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The Lord says in this moment to Abram, I am going to provide exactly what you need. And Abram, I'm going to make your name great. You are going to be exactly who I need you to be. And in case you were wondering, Abram, I am going to act on your behalf as you follow in obedience to me. Did you see the Lord say that? I will bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you, verse 3, I will curse. Remember this morning as a follower of Jesus that it is the Lord who acts on our behalf as we pursue his plan and his purpose for our lives. It is the Lord who is at work in our lives and in the lives of the people that we encounter day in and day out. I was running yesterday and was watching some sandhill cranes. As Pastor Scott's wife, Megan, calls them murder turkeys. <laughs> the red beady eye, they're bad. And so I was watching it take place. There were parents and then there was a little one. And the parents were pecking into the ground. And every once in a while, I'd see them throw over a bug or worm to the baby and the baby reached down and ate it and they'd peck 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 and then they'd throw it over and the baby would eat it peck 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 throw it over the baby would eat it and I sat there and thought for a second the baby doesn't have to do a whole lot at all in fact it's the parents that are working to provide exactly what the babies need and then I thought about this text and it reminded me that it is the Lord who is at work. Never lose sight of the fact that it is the Lord who is at work in your life and in this world around us. You say, Pastor, you don't understand how bad things are. Here's what I understand, that God has a plan and a purpose to accomplish in this world. And it doesn't matter how bad things get. Our God will not be deterred in what he is going to accomplish. God will fulfill exactly what he desires to fulfill. 
God is acting on our behalf as we interact with people in this community, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, as we seek to fulfill the mission that God has given us to accomplish. God is acting on our behalf. When you come to that relationship with someone that you say they have no interest whatsoever in what God desires to do in their lives, don't lose hope. I think about the Apostle Paul who was seeking to persecute Christians, who was seeking to murder Christians, to stamp out the name of Christ. And the Lord went before And he trusted in Jesus Christ as his Savior and ended up making one of the greatest impacts this world has ever seen for the cause of Christ because the Lord is at work. The Lord is acting in your life right now to accomplish what he desires to accomplish. Notice, as we continue looking, this last part. The last part of verse 3. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abram, in you, every single family on the earth will be blessed. When God calls, he accomplishes more than we could ever dream as we pursue his plan. Think about that in relation to Abram in this moment. Abram doesn't have a child. The Lord says, I'm going to make you a great nation. But not only that, Abram, through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Well, we see this come to fruition through Abram's life. And as we continue reading through the pages of Scripture, ultimately, it is Jesus Christ who comes from the lineage of Abram. It is Jesus Christ who comes and makes it possible for every single person to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Anyone can respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, be forgiven of their sins, be brought into the family of God, but the Lord promises here to Abram, it's going to be through you that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You know, I think sometimes we lose sight of just what God can do. We lose sight of how amazing our God actually is. Church family, we saw this on display just a couple of years ago. As we were meeting at Williams Elementary School, as we were moving forward with the building of this building and really not knowing what may transpire and then seeing the Lord show up in an incredible way, far beyond anything that we could have ever dreamed as we were recipients of a $1 million grant for this facility. We serve a God that can accomplish far more than we could ever dream or imagine, and that's true in Abram's life, but hear me this morning, it is true in your life that God is able to accomplish more than you would ever dare dream. So then what's our response? How do we respond to that? How do we respond to a God who accomplishes all that we've just laid out? Well, what we see Abraham do is walk in obedience first and foremost. You look at verse four. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. 
Abram took that step of obedience. Let me ask you this morning, what is that step of obedience for you? What is that step that you need to take? Who is that person that you need to share the gospel with? What decisions do you need to make as a family to make raising your kids as followers of Jesus of utmost importance in your life? What step do you need to take in your workplace so that you no longer are working for someone else, but ultimately you are working for the Lord and bringing glory to his name? What conversation do you need to have with your neighbor or your coworker that the Lord has called you to take? Maybe for you, you're a follower of Jesus, but you haven't taken the step of following in believer's baptism. We've got over 20 at this point in time that we'll baptize next Sunday afternoon. Maybe you need to take that step of obedience as well. What is that step of obedience? And like Abram, are you willing to take that step of obedience? And then, as you notice, working through the text, at each point, as Abram makes this journey, as he follows in obedience to the Lord, at each point where he stops... He builds an altar and he worships the Lord. He walks in obedience to the Lord, but he walks in worship. At this point in time, Abraham hasn't seen what it's going to ultimately be. He doesn't know what the end is going to entail. In fact, Abram's not going to see this fulfilled in his lifetime. It will be thousands of years before this promise is ultimately fulfilled for Abram. But what I want you and I to recognize is that we may never know what the ultimate goal is. We may never see the impact that we have. We have the opportunity to worship along the way, to celebrate who God is and what he's doing. So this morning for you, for me, as followers of Jesus, may we be willing to walk in obedience. May we be willing to walk in worship as God continues to do what he desires to do in and through our lives. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Our worship team will make their way back up. And as they do, with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, As I said early on, maybe for you, the step that you need to take this morning is to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior for the very first time. Jesus is the only one who can fill the deepest longings of your heart. He's the only one who can satisfy what you are longing for. He's the only one who can forgive you of your sins and bring you into relationship with your creator this morning. And for you, maybe that's the step that you need to take today. We'd love to help you take that step, to pray with you, to encourage you. You can respond in just a little bit as we sing by coming down to the front. Our pastors will be down here. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you. Maybe you want to fill out a connection card and just drop that off at the welcome table this morning. Just ask to speak with a pastor that that's a step you'd like to talk more about. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, what is that step of obedience that you need to take? 
Who is that person that you need to share with? What is that decision that as a family you need to make? Who's that coworker that the Lord has laid on your heart today to share the hope you found in Jesus Christ with? Will you walk in obedience? And even if you don't see immediate results, will you worship as you continue to walk in obedience to the Lord, trusting that God will accomplish exactly what He desires to accomplish this morning through your life and in other people's lives as His plan of redemption continues to unfold. Father, we ask this morning that you would work in our hearts and our lives, that you would give us a big picture view of who you are and what you're doing, what you've done in the past, what you're doing in our lives now, and what you will continue to do as your redemption plan unfolds in this world. God, give us the courage this morning to take that step of obedience and to do it in a spirit of worship, even when we don't see how you're at work. Help us trust you in that. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand, if you would, and give you an opportunity this morning to respond. Our altar's open. Our pastors are down front. Maybe the Lord's laid someone on your heart. You just want to spend some time in prayer for them. I want to encourage you to do that this morning as you respond.